we thought of Christ from a human point of view, how differently we know Him how? Now. How differently we know Him now. Say now. now. We differently know Him now. We don't just know about Him, but we know Him. Verse 17. But before I read 17, I want, I want to mention to you that it's not about just head knowledge. Most people, most people miss heaven by 18 inches. The distance from their head to their heart. Because it needs to get out of your head and into your heart so that the relationship becomes real, vital, and worthwhile. Verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, not just who believe in Christ, because even the demons believe in Him and shudder, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has begun. Now, or the old life is gone, I should say, and the new life has begun. We're not going to be just a better person where we try harder. We're going to be made new in Christ. We're not just turning over a new leaf, but we're experiencing a new life. And the big question that we're going to tackle today is, what if I don't feel new? What if I know intellectually as a church-going person that I believe in Jesus, and I believe He's made me new, but I don't feel new? I still don't behave like a new person. I still feel guilty for some things that I've done wrong. I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel very unworthy. Maybe you battle with negative thoughts about others, about life, about yourself, or maybe you've got some bad habits that you just can't get rid of. You pray that they go away and they don't go away. Maybe you have a poor self-image and you wonder, how could God love somebody like me? The more I look in the mirror and see my hair gone, I think, how can Cindy keep loving me? She said, I don't love your hair. I said, that's a good thing because it's leaving. <laughs> However, I'm getting new growth on my wrist, so I'm excited about that. I guess I can comb my wrist later. I don't know. But there's a reoccurring challenge. I don't know if you've ever done this before. When you're vacuuming, you'll vacuum over something that doesn't come up. And then what do you do? You go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, over it and over it and over it and over it and over again. Then you'll try a different angle and go over it and over it and over it and over again. And then what do you do? You dig down, you pick it up, you look at it, and then you throw it back down and go over it again. <laughs> and sometimes in life, there are those things that you just pray about, you work on, you pick it up, you look at it, and then you throw it back down, and it just doesn't seem to go away. Any of you raise your hand on that one? You know that you're not new, but you don't, or you know that you're new, but you don't feel new. And the question is, why don't we feel new? Well, let me give you three thoughts there in your notes. The first one is, it's because of our history, our past, what we've done. We often don't feel new. The second reason is our hurts. It may be what someone did to us, maybe even what we did to ourselves, or maybe even feel like God let us down, but we don't feel new because of our hurts. And then number three, because of our habits. 
It's those things that we continue to do. Like Paul said in Romans 7, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. <laughs> and we seem to be trapped in those habits. History, hurts, and habits. Let me give you a little bit more on history and these three. History, you don't know what you did. If you knew what I knew about me, and you don't know what I've done, and I don't know what you've done, but if you knew what I know about me, you probably wouldn't like me very much. And God knows all about me, every piece. And yet, how could He still love me? How could He still want me forever to be with Him in heaven? Our hurts, I feel wounded, I feel betrayed. Someone let me down. It's very hard to trust people. I know I'm supposed to be new, but I don't feel new because of those hurts. Habits. I, I still struggle with this. I've prayed about it. I've tried, and yet I still struggle. I don't feel new. This is important. Feelings are legitimate, but they are not facts. Write that down somewhere on the outline. Feelings are legitimate, but they are not facts. And I don't want to discount them to say you shouldn't have any feelings because we do feel certain things. If somebody says something hateful to us, it hurts us. Can you? Amen? <laughs> if somebody says something good to us, that affects us too. And we much rather have the good things said, except when they say good things, we tend to not believe them. Right? Why is that? Because we've heard all the other before. Hundreds of times. You're a failure. Yeah, you've done it before and you failed again. You don't know. You might as well just quit because you're going to get back into the rut that you've always been in. Instead of saying, all right, let's do it. We can do this. There was a girl that started working out with us that was new this week. And uh, she, I could tell. You could see it in her eyes. Because I remember how I felt the first day. And all those little bitty people jumping around and doing all kinds of stuff that my body would say, you're a fool if you try that. And I found myself going up to her and saying, hey, stay with it. Don't quit. Don't give in. We were at a company deal last night for Cindy's company and some, one of the co-workers walked up and she goes, man, how much weight have you lost? I thought, two pounds. I've lost a lot of weight. But that's okay. I got a whole lot more to go. I got a whole lot more to go. And that's the good thing. But every day when I go work out, I want to be an encouragement to somebody. And I find myself wanting to encourage. He had the audacity last week to put me with three young mamas. These are women that can lay on the floor and walk up the wall with their feet and put their stomach against the wall and walk back down with their hands. That's not right. God did not create us to do that. <laughs> and I felt like I was never going to do that. And I haven't tried either. So, <laughs> But feelings are legit, legitimate, but they're just not facts. And the bottom line is that we're not changed by feeling different about ourselves, but we are changed by faith in God. That's what changes us. So how do we actually become new in Christ? 
If you're like me, you woke up in life and realized that you've had this grand expectations for what life would be like or what you would have expected of yourself, only to be disappointed about what reality actually feels like and how you actually feel about yourself. I remember one of those times. I got ready to go off to college. I, man, 18 years old, had a car, a Ford Fairlane. I was ready to roll. I couldn't wait to get out of my house and get to the college. Now, my mother was very good about grabbing clothes and grabbing sheets and washing all that stuff. I didn't pay any attention to that stuff. I got to college. I had, I had plenty of clothes. I had one pair of sheets, and that's all I needed. I didn't need more than one pair of sheets. What are you talking about? Why do you have, why do you have more sheets? You put them on your bed and you sleep on them, right? Amen? Well, my roommate evidently was uh, trained a little better by his mother. But after a while, that half of the room where I was living began to smell funny. (laughs) And he suggested laundry might be in order. Well, not to appear that I had no idea what to do, I said, sure, no problem. So I took all of my clothes and I washed all of them together because I only had limited money. Nobody told me to separate them. Nobody told me you're not supposed to put colors with whites. So I did. I just threw it all in there. At least I separated the sheets. And so I did do the sheets later. Of course, the undergarments that I had washed with the color, (laughs) well, you know what happened. And my sheets, my sheets, I was amazed. They were the same color as when I put them on the bed, but they weren't that color when I put them in the washer. So I began to pay a little more attention. And and by the way, the room started smelling a little better as well to which my roommate was grateful. But you know, sometimes it's like that in our walk with Christ. I give my life to God. I'm coming to a great church. I'm growing. I've got great expectations. And I find myself remarkably disappointed with who I feel like I've become. Remember, we're not driven by feelings. They are legitimate, but we need to live by facts. And the facts, somebody hold up your Bible. Somebody hold up a Bible real fast. That's the fact that you need to follow by. That's the fact that you need to live by. Not your feelings. The facts of Scripture. So regardless of how you feel, I want to spend a little time this morning talking about what God does say about you and specifically how we're made new in Christ. So as we're writing this down, the first thing that God, God's Word says about us being new in Christ is that we are forgiven from our past. We are forgiven from our past, would you please turn loose of it? Would you please turn loose of your past? You have been forgiven for your past. He nailed it to the cross. It is gone. Let it go. Please release it. Release it. Raise up your spirit and release whatever it is that's in your past. Let it go. Don't let it control you. I call it unhitching the wagon. Why are you pulling that wagon? (laughs) Unhitch that thing. It'll lighten your load. Amen? It'll lighten your load. We are forgiven from our past. Look at Ephesians 1, 7. In Christ we have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace. I don't feel forgiven, yet God's Word says that I am in Christ. And you need to hear this. If you're a follower of Christ, everything about you is different 
whether you feel it or not. Everything is different about you. Story in Luke chapter 15. Some of you are familiar with it. It's literally a parable that Jesus told of a lost son. Some of you may know it by the, the, the statement or the phrase prodigal son. As the story goes, the son demands his father's portion of what it took him a lifetime to accumulate, but it was a portion of his inheritance. He demanded it. The father gave it. And the scripture says he went off and took that money and uh, had a grand old time and everything that uh, he could spend in excess. He did exactly what he wanted to do. Women, alcohol, he absolutely went hog wild, lived it up. And the son discovered something to be true that many of you and I are all familiar with. When you're living that kind of self-gratifying, whatever feels good life, there's two realities. One, the money always runs out. Amen? And two, there's always the next morning. Amen? The money runs out, and there's always the next morning. It's amazing what happens the next morning. We begin to beat ourselves up. So this, this young man wakes up and... The Bible says he literally was face down in a pig pen, living where the pigs uh, live, eating what they didn't want, and where they do their nasty stuff. He was right there, face down in it. How do you get face down in a pig pen? Well, there's the question of the hour. But reality set in. He woke up to a whole new world. <laughs> and he realized, my father's slaves, my father's servants live better than I am living. So he gets up and he decides, I'm going to go beg my father that he would make one, make me one of his servants. So he makes the trip back home. And if you know the story, one of the favorite parts of the story is the dad sees the son coming from afar off. It's like the dad standing at the end of the driveway looking down the street and waiting to just see a glimpse of his son. And all of a sudden he sees his son. And the Bible says that the, that the father ran to him. He ran full speed to him. And he didn't, he didn't run to him bearing punishment. He ran to him bearing Grace, mercy, and gifts. And he hugged him. And three things happened. And not only to the son, but it's a story of what God does for you and me. Number one is the father put a ring on the son's finger. That, it's a signet ring. And it gives the son authority to act on behalf of the father's estate. In other words, he gave him power. Second thing that he did is the father ordered that the fatted calf be killed. Why? Because they're going to throw this humongous party and they've got to have enough to do it. They've got to have enough food to make it happen. In other words, there's going to be a celebration. Then the third thing, and don't miss this, it was the day that the son woke up in the pig pen that made his way home. When he woke up in the pig pen is when he began to make his way home. What do you think he smelled like when he got home? <laughs> what do you think he looked like? You see, he was still covered in the reminder of his rebellion against his father and against God. He still reeked of his sin. And father, the father takes a robe and he covers his son's filth and the robe represents royalty. And you and I are the son. And we are still those sons. And some of us, even this morning, still reek of what we did last night. We still reek of the choices that we made a month ago. And the Bible says that if you are new in Christ, that by what Jesus did on the cross, God covers over your filth, over your stench, with a robe of righteousness that you couldn't possibly earn, nor do you deserve. But it's the truth of God's Word, and it says who you are in Christ. I'll pause and let you say, Amen. Amen. If you're in Christ, 
You are forgiven. You are royalty. You are God's child. Is, is that good news? Thanks, Jesus. Paul said it as clearly as possible in Romans 8 and verse 1. He says, therefore, there is now some condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Oh, I didn't say it that way. He says, oh, okay. There is now occasional condemnation when I really, really screw up, but I'm still in Christ Jesus. That sound, sound familiar? Oh, no. He says this. There is therefore now no, not even a little bit, none condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are there. there we go. That's us, isn't it? No condemnation for us. I love that. God, if God doesn't condemn you, why do you keep condemning you? If God doesn't do it, why are you doing it? Stop it. Corey grew up thinking his name was Stop It. <laughs> I bet he's 12 before he realized that it was Corey and not Stop It. Second thing that God does in making us new is that he heals. He healed us from our hurts. He heals us from our hurts. Isaiah 61.1, The Lord has sent me to bind up the broken heart, to proclaim freedom for the captive, and to release from darkness the prisoners. There are so many of us, I would venture to say all of us, that carry scars of choices that we've made and choices that other people have made to us. And those wounds go deep and they tend to paralyze us. And we feel at times, I will never fully heal from this wound, from this area of brokenness. You look around and you look at your wound and somebody hurt you, somebody victimized you, somebody betrayed you, somebody cheated on you, and that wound is deep. Those words cut deeply. And you think to yourself, I'll, I'll never get over this. But the Scripture of God says that God binds up the brokenhearted. He hears the real truth. And what you think is a setback, He takes as a setup. Because God does through pain what nobody else can do. The character of God is going to build through you, through pain, through hurt, and it cannot be accomplished in any other way. We have got to experience pain in order to grow. Those of you that are gardeners, and I don't understand it, I can't even make an air fern grow, so <laughs> I, I admire those of you that can't. But what you do when you prune flowers and bushes just baffles me. Because that thing can be just as full and beautiful. And then you come out at a certain time of year and start cutting everything off. And I just look at that. I think, why are they doing that? But the reason you do it is called pruning. And the reason you do it is so that it will produce better next year. So when you go through the painful things, God is pruning you, according to John 15 too. He's pruning you so that you will produce more. So don't rebel against the pain. Embrace it because God is taking you somewhere you don't know where to go yet. I read a story about a lady, a remarkable story. She started being sexually abused at the age of four. Now, wrap your mind around that. She felt broken, felt abandoned, felt betrayed. And from four to the age of 30, in one way or another, people 
she felt abandoned, she felt betrayed, and from that from that time, in, in one way or another, people that she knew or people that she didn't know, she was violated in that way, and it defined her. She had to kind of medicate the emptiness, so at age 12, she started using drugs, and they got harder and harder and harder. And then by age of 15, she's an inpatient in a rehab center at 15. At age 33, she comes to a church, hears a message of hope about a Savior whose mission is to seek and save the lost, those who are far away from God, and she responds, she gives her life to Christ. And at that moment, everything began to change in this woman's life, and God began to reveal to her that all those things that she thought were true about her were nothing more than lies, simply deception. And she started to realize that her identity is not defined by things that happened to her. Her identity is defined by the price that was paid for her forgiveness of sin through Christ. And that makes her very valuable and very precious to God. See, God loved you and me enough that he sent his son to die for us. It ought to motivate you. It ought to motivate you. God does, he does want us to experience things, but I don't think God wanted this to happen to this woman. I don't. I don't think God wants these hurts to happen to us at all, but he can use them. And he does use them. And you're better, you're better off, and you, you better believe that he will use that. Because church, there's a hope in your heart, there's hope in your hurt, and God has a purpose for that pain. You're not going to just endure it, you're not just going to survive it. You're, God is going to use it. What seems to be a setback can be a setup for God's kingdom, and you're going to use it to change the life of somebody else. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul said it this way, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in uh, all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Please, please see that. God is going to bring hope into your hopelessness, but it's not just for you. It's so that when you see someone going through what you've went through, you can now be their hope to get through it. We are called to give away what God has poured into us. It's not just for you. It's not for you to hoard and hang on to. It's for you to give away. Give it to somebody else. Give it to a person who is right across from you. They may be sitting right next to you in church and they need what you have to share with them. Share it with them. Don't hoard it and keep it. And they will eerily have a similar story to you. And it's not coincidence, by the way. God heals our brokenness. He forgives our past. And finally, write this down. We are freed from our habits. Freed from our habits. This is where a lot of us get tripped up. Earlier I mentioned that most people miss God by, because of 18 inches. We have this intellectual acknowledgement or awareness of the things of God, and, and, they can be, and it can be evidenced in churches like this all over America where Scripture is preached. People sit in the pews or, or in chairs, and they're nodding their heads and saying, Yep, I believe in that. Yep, yep, yeah, that's true. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe God's going to heal my hurt. I believe God's going to forgive my sin. And then when church is over, all over the world, these good-hearted, God-loving people walk through the doors, go home, and they can't stop drinking. They walk through the doors and they say, yeah, I believe, I'm forgiven, but I, I can't stop looking at those images on the internet. As much as I want to, I'm hooked. You had a procedure for which the doctor sent you home with some pain medication, and what started as therapy, pain management, has become an addiction. I can't stop. I believe God forgives me, but I can't stop. I, I can't stop eating Oreos and binging on them when no one's around. 
There was a whole pack here last night. I don't know where it went. I don't know where it went. I can't stop buying those shoes and those shirts. They fill a void. You, you don't need more shoes. You don't even need more shirts. More blouses. So what are we doing? We're just trying to fill a void with something that will make us feel a little bit better. How is that churches are filled with people who intellectually believe that we are made new and they can't stop? You fill in the blank. And yet churches are full of people like that. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 21 says, You have heard about Jesus intellectually. You have heard about Jesus and you've learned about the truth that comes from Him. We are to throw off. Can all of you say throw off? We are to throw off our old nature, our former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. In other words, it's a lie. That old life, those old habits, are rooted in nothing but deception and we're called to throw them off. Throw them off. (laughs) I used to tell myself, I can't stop eating that. I used to tell myself, no, I, I, I don't need to stop eating that. I'm free to eat whatever I want to in Christ. I have freedom. <laughs> My insulin used to be double digits and now it's single digits. And if I keep going, which I'm planning to keep going, I won't use any at all. Hallelujah. Yes. <laughs> Because I'm throwing things off. I don't need. Don't need them. Boy, when I pick up the donuts every Sunday morning, I think God's doing that for a purpose. Because I get to look at them when I bring them to church. And, and they always put the cinnamon rolls and the apple fritters in the top box that they pack. And they really look good. I keep saying to myself, I think my blood sugar is low. I probably need one of these. Scripture says, instead let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. It's it's an attitudinal issue more than anything else. Geneva walked by the donut. She said, she touched the box. She said, I don't need you and walked away. (laughs) Hey, if you've got to yell at Satan, you do it. Yeah, she slapped the back of her hand. That's what it was. I said, you want me to slap that? No, no, no. But we're called to put on. So let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes, and we are called to put on. We throw off the old self. Now we're called to put on the new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous, truly holy. And how do we do that? How do we do this in such a way that when we leave here today, we are going to be different tomorrow? Actually, really different? We aren't going to be caught in that cycle and that black hole spiral of habits that we can't break. Even though intellectually we believe that we are made new, we're just not doing it. Here's the answer. Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature. Everybody say old. Who it sounds it sounds bad, doesn't it? Old. Look at your neighbor and say, old. Shake your head when you look at him, old. Put a scowl on your face, old, you're old. 
No, not you're old, just old. Okay. Look at verse 10. Put on what? Your new nature. You stripped off your old sinful nature. You stripped off your old sinful nature and its, its wicked deeds. Because of Christ, you are not in bondage to that old nature anymore. Put on your new nature. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. A new person. The old is gone. The new has come. Put on the new nature. Now turn to him and smile and say, put it on. Come on. Put it on. Say it like a preacher would say it. Put it on. Come on. There you go. There we go. We got some hope coming up over here. <laughs> He's been watching some TV evangelists, hasn't he? <laughs> Either that or car salesman, one or the other. By faith you are forgiven from your past. By faith you are healed from your hurts. By faith you are free from your habits because you are new. Put on your new nature and be renewed. Let God's Spirit make you new. You don't do the renewing. He does the renewing. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to, as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. How differently we know Christ now, remember? We used to know Him from a human point of view, but now we have been spiritually born again. Week one, we learned that flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit, and you have spiritually been made alive in Christ. How differently are you now? Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your presence and your spirit and your goodness in our lives. As, you're, as we're praying today, many are here that are going to recognize they're still in bondage to something from their past. They're still in bondage to some hurt in their life. They still have a habit that they're struggling to overcome. Perhaps today, there are those who would say, I'm a Christian, I believe in, I'm new in Christ, but I don't feel new in Christ. I, I, I want to, not only has He forgiven me, I want Help forgiving myself. Not only do I know that He heals me, but I want to step into His healing. I want to know His power and be freed from those, these habits. I, I know Him intellectually, and I know that I'm new intellectually, but I don't feel new. I want my behavior to match my beliefs. So God, I pray that those who, who continue to hurt because of the past, God, I thank You that we're in Christ and we're a new creation and the old is gone, but there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. God, for those who are hurting, I pray that there would be a healing in your presence. God, for those in bondage to the old life, that we take off that old sinful self and by faith we step into our new nature to know you, God, and behave like you. God, I pray that there would be addictions and habits broken in your presence by the power and name of your son, Jesus. And God, we thank you that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. And as we continue to pray, Father, perhaps someone will find in themselves today, for one reason or another, that they're not new at all. They've struggled with something in their past. They've looked at their behavior and know it's not right. They've been hurt. They've been wounded. And you can't seem to, they can't seem to forgive or get over it. They're living in the hurts of yesterday. Well, the good news is, God is a God who can make things new. If anyone is in Christ, anyone who believes in Him, their sins are forgiven and they are made new. And from that conviction and belief, you respond through baptism to bury that old self and to raise that new self to the glory of Almighty God. Father, is there someone today that will say, enough's enough. Enough is enough. In Jesus' name. Amen.